Welcome to the Pit Stop Podcast, your fast-paced podcast for Formula One news and analysis. Throughout the Formula One season, we will be recapping every race as well as breaking down the biggest stories on and off the track, all before setting you up for the next race on the Formula One schedule. Whether you're a seasoned Formula One fan or you have just discovered the rush of racing, this podcast has something for you. Okay, here we go. Welcome back to another episode of the Pit Stop Podcast, presented by the Ordinary Podcasting Network. I'm Braden. I'm here with Jordan and Tyler. Uh, boy, oh boy, boys, did I ever enjoy watching race cars driving on Canadian soil. It was a very wet qualifying race, which posed a great many problems for lots of the cars, uh, but a surprising Alonzo frontline start. And then the warmest Montreal summer air for the Sunday race, uh, Max in a world of his own pretty much all weekend, finishing P1, P2 going to Sainz, who was leading the majority of the race before an untimely pit stop, and Lewis Hamilton returning to the podium in P3. Lots to talk about in this race before setting up the next one. Jordan, bad pit stops, Red Bull engine inconsistencies, or Stroll and Latifi's performances in their hometown race at the circuit. Gilles Villeneuve, where do you want to start? You were practicing that. Where do I want to stop? Well, I'm going to take exception to a couple things, but I will start. Oh, I mean, the pit stops were one thing, but no, like, honestly. They um, were more than one thing. You know what's funny? I I do want to just say one thing, because then we don't have to talk about Latifi and Stroll. I think Tyler (laughs) said this. The score had one of the most flagrant and offensive posts I've ever seen in my life. They posted a thing prior to the the race with a photo of Latifi and Stroll and basically asked the question, is it this year a Canadian will win the Grand Prix? Not win. Podium. They said, yeah. They're like, will a Canadian finish in the podium this weekend? Have you watched a single race because neither these guys maybe they don't even finish the races talk about talk about like a canadian app the score is a canadian company trying to get some people excited about something without knowing like who is in charge of your social media (laughs) how do you not go and do just a little bit of research well i will say whoever's like whoever's in charge of their social media has also been in hot water because they actually posted a couple almost offensive things when the Oilers were eliminated that they actually then had to take down. So they've, whoever's running their social media is just a little bit out of touch. They're looking for clickbait and I don't know, man, they just lit up. Come on. Like it's, if you knew anything, any, a little bit, like even ask a friend who watches a little bit of F1 and Ontario, a lot of the date, um, not doing the uh, gambling, <laughs> the gambling, yeah, the same thing, FanDuel yeah. and all those starts. They had, um, they'll, they'll put a bet up to get people into entice to bet that, and it was, will Latifi or Stroll get points? Oh gosh, and Can that's you imagine? Yeah. And points. Yeah, yeah, that's a good bet, and it and it won, it won yeah, for people. Stroll got there. Like, come on, like the, the yards aren't favorable on that bet, though. I, I no, got not. Right. Long arts, long <laughs> no, arts. that's why they promoted it. But okay, uh, so it let's go out. back. Let's go back to your original question, Braden. I want to talk first about um, Carlos Sainz, because as you mentioned, you know, okay. unfortunate pit stop. But to be fair, like it was it was a tricky race overall because this, the pit stops mostly came down to either virtual safety cars or safety cars. Um, and obviously he gave up track position um, at the end there because he had to do a, he had to get fresh tires on. This became a, a really fascinating race strategically because of two things. One, as I said, the only pit stops really that mattered were 
basically free ones under virtual safety cars, either too early or too late. But but that's when everyone was pitting. And then the second part is because this track hasn't been driven on in like four years almost, there's very little rubber. There's very little conditioning for the tires. It was a very tough track for the tires. We saw that even the hardest line, which is ironic because I think Crofty mentioned it, like the hardest tire at this race is technically the softest tire when we go to Great Britain, right? Because the lines, it, it sort of shifts. Regardless, we can talk about tires in a second. They struggled. And so it became like a two a two stop race real quickly. The guys who were on the hards knew they weren't going to be able to last as long. Um, so he had to give up track position. And then he had such a uh, probably my favorite race I've ever seen Carlos Sainz run. And look, he's finished second behind Pierre Gasly, I think last year um, or two years ago. I can't remember exactly which one it was, two, the one two. where where Gasly got the win. Maybe it's Spa. Two, two where was ago. that? Two was it at Spa? It was in Monza. Monza, that's right. And But it was one of those races that felt very similar. Where it was like Carlos with like two or three more laps might have caught him and he was pushing so hard and he was using every trick in the book he just was up against a slightly more uh, experienced yeah. driver max did everything he could to shut the door made his car real wide used the uh, overtake button to defend really really well it's crazy though even the drs didn't help like and, no and carlos just didn't have like 20 just didn't have that extra little bit but but what a fun way for it to finish i remember you know, feeling like as soon as this race was over, I thought to myself, this is one of the most entertaining and fun races we've seen this season. It had a little bit of everything. It had a little bit of spice. It had a little bit of like flavor right from the top where we weren't quite sure how strategy was going to play out. We saw some, some teams and cars strategy sort of struggle. I mean, poor Magnuson falling out right there at the beginning, just bad luck. But, but Carlos for me was driver of the day, regardless of the fan vote, because of how well he drove, how hard he pushed Max. And you know, like you, you know, for Max, he is a competitor. He likes the challenge of it. He, thought his fight all season was going to be with Charles. I think he thought most of this race, it was just going to be in the bag for him. They get that late, that late safety car. And all of a sudden Carlos is making him work for it. Give Max credit. He defended well, but man, Carlos was so close. I haven't cheered that hard all season long for someone uh, who wasn't, you know, one of my favorite drivers and, I, and Carlos usually isn't, but he's growing fast stock going up there. That is a, the statement of the day is I was cheering so hard for signs and I don't, like I am a probably a Ferrari team guy, yeah. but for to watch signs, I'm just like, oh my god, this is it. This is it's going to get his first win, and it, it lined it did line up perfectly with the um, the safety car for Ferrari. So it was unfortunate for Red Bull, but it actually made for a better race for everybody else with those last uh, 20 laps or whatever it was. They just weren't fast enough in that turn 10 hairpin, and they just couldn't get the they couldn't get out of that turn quick enough to stay up behind uh, Verstappen. And you have to like. As much as I shit on Verstappen all the time, he was incredible all weekend, battling the rain, like practice three. So this is the thing about the Canadian Grand Prix is that they actually showed all the practices on on, uh, the national television. So TSN one had all the the practices and Verstappen was like eighth or ninth fastest during that wet practice. They struggled. struggled. And then come qualifying, Verstappen puts it at the top and you're just like, man, like this guy is so good and then immediately right off the beginning lights out puts uh alonzo behind him two or three car lengths oh, before yeah. the first turn and it was like as soon as i saw the the forecast on saturday night that it was supposed to be a sunny uh grand prix i was like well this is verstappen's to lose we know that now like he is the fastest guy out there on any given day and uh it was just to, at that ending was everything you could have wanted and the grand prix in canada is probably so happy about this entire weekend yeah, it went great for them. Every part of it was was awesome. Uh, and, and you know, 
I mean, at the end of the day, it's just nice to have, as Braden said, it's just nice to have it back on the calendar. It's been fun having now already a couple races here in North America. The Miami one was great. We're going to have Austin, you know, later on, and we'll get some of the South American races in later in the season. And it's always fun when it's primetime North American. You know, it was great to have like a yeah. noon start here. It was awesome. And now we know that there's two Ferraris that keep up with that Verstappen car. It's not just Leclerc. They have to bank on it. They release both those guys. Yeah. They can that was really an important up. race for Carlos in a lot of ways, oh, right? Yeah. Cause he struggled oh, yeah. and just confidence wise to be able to feel like he was right there. I mean, he has yet to get that first win and, and it's coming and he will get a chance to have that, but, but he'll get there. He'll get there. And this and, kind of leads into just the, you know, the success we saw with Mercedes this weekend too. Leclerc not being there, Perez having an engine failure. And now we see them, you know, being able to at least be in open air, both of them, uh, third and fourth, is is that where we can anticipate seeing Mercedes? Uh, yeah, I mean, they probably would have finished fifth and sixth if there was no um, dropouts from the other the other two cars, like Leclerc didn't, have, Leclerc didn't have to take the penalty and stuff. But I mean, th- that stuff happens on every, any given weekend. You got to think one of those four yeah. top cars are going to have a problem like that. But here's the thing about Hamilton, and it kind of got me thinking because they mentioned it in the race and then i did a little digging after they said hamilton's gone to more a more of a george russell car so i looked into it and hamilton was dead set on having his own mercedes setup having his own build up trying his own thing trying to perfect this new car so was he his own problem these first nine or ten races like so this weekend after they tried to do that um the new second floor, he gave up everything and he went to more of a George Russell setup that they had that was working for him. And he was smiling every single, like every single lap he did on that. He was talking about how happy he was with the car and, and how much he, he likes it, prefers this setup. So was him, I, I guess, was he, his, was he his own enemy for the beginning of this season, just trying to perfect this car ahead of its time and not just go to kind of like what Russell had, which was more of a generic average setup, but is more driver-friendly? Well, there was one key piece of the setup that's different, and this is similar, I think, to what we're seeing the difference between Leclerc and Sainz as well, and it's oversteer or understeer. And these cars, these new cars, really seem to have rear tire issues when you're an understeered car, right? So um, you can tune the car and in, in, in the balance in such a way that you're either oversteering or understeering. George is an understeer guy. The oversteer is what's more preferable. It's what the older cars liked. To, they were more comfortable driving. I think both Max and Lewis had very oversteery cars last season. It's what Lewis has been driving most of the time he's been driving for McLaren. It's his, pardon me, for Mercedes since he left McLaren. It, he, it is his preferred setup. I think all season, as you said, he has been trying to get this car to function as an oversteer car. It's not happy. The rear tires struggle with it. Obviously, the downforce is its own problem. But as far as the the functioning of of the setup, I think that was the biggest change that they made. He said coming out of Friday uh, out of out of practice, like this car is undrivable. I can't do yeah. this anymore. I think he definitely got to the end of it. And maybe you're right. Maybe he got a little bit out of his own way. But look, when you are a seven time champion. Uh, and you have had success, it's probably very hard to accept that big a change to your driving style without fear that it's going to be detrimental. Maybe this just proved to him that he can drive it that way too. And if that's the case, yep. then maybe that that is success. I would also just say one thing, Brandon, you kind of said, well, it was nice Leclerc was out of the way. Leclerc finished fifth. Give yeah. Charles he Leclerc did. a lot well, of credit. Sure. He knew he had, to take, he had to take a penalty because he needed to change parts of the power unit. That's 
every one of these drivers is going to face that at some point. We saw the strategy of it play out really interestingly last season where, you know, Lewis did it on, a, I think, Brazil and was able to come almost a sprint all, race. He did come all the way back, right? Yep. He figured out what it was. Max is going to have to do it at some point. That's just how these cars are built. It ended up being a perfect weekend for Leclerc to do it because of Perez's struggles, both in qualifying where he crashed and then the failure for them. But he came all the way back up to fifth for as almost as many points as he was possibly going to get out of it. So give give Charles some credit. He limited the damage. Let's say he got 10 points yeah. in the race. Yeah. But so- also limiting his damage was the Alpine team. And I think that that's part of the reason he couldn't get even further ahead. I think Alpine had a really great weekend. Uh, yeah, before we go there, like let's let's still. I just want to point out back to the Mercedes thing is that even though we talked about Hamilton and Russell getting faster, they were still seven seconds behind. Yeah, they're the not signs for the battle. Third, it's and, the third and, best car. And for those two guys nah, to be battling the whole time, they couldn't. They couldn't get no. any closer than that no. so but it is um, interesting that's where that, they'll be. That's true. That's very true. But if you remember coming out of the safety car, both. Red Bull and Ferrari, at least over the radio, did express concern about how they wanted to know how old Hamilton's tires were because Hamilton did have great pace for a lot of that race. Yeah. But he, they just, their Mercedes is just not quite there. And they yeah. will need to figure out if they can get that little extra bit uh, to catch where those two guys, if they're going to stay in it. However, also give them credit as a team because they know they're not fighting for a driver's championship this season, but they are still very much in the conversation about the top three spots for the constructors. And I don't think they're going to get to number one. It's going to be one of those two guys who has those wins under their belts. But for them to be three, again, limit the damage from what has not been a good season has been very good. And a a lot of that credit has to go to Russell, who's been again in the top five, Mm -hmm. every single race, uh, including tonight. All right. Including on Sunday night. Um, But, a great, a really great showing for, for them. And, and yeah. And, and then even before, again, before we get to Alpine here to go back to Leclerc. So Leclerc had a fresh engine for this. That's why he had the grid penalty to go to the back. He still, it has to go through another turbocharger, which he's been through all three of his. And then he has to go through more hybrid elements and an internal combustion system. So this will not be the only time that he has a grid penalty for this. Like you said, Max is going to have to do it. Leclerc is going to have to do it again. And I think that if you go back, you talked about Hamilton and Brazil. I think that there's two more sprint races left, I believe, two more sprint qualifying races left. I think all these teams, you'll probably see a lot of them, and I think Leclerc should do it as well, is take that penalty after qualifying during the sprint race. Because Mm. then you can start 20th, you can get back up to like 10th or 9th, where um, Hamilton was exactly what he did in Brazil. And then you can start in nine or 10 or eight or maybe six to in the actual Grand Prix to get yourself back up there and very much limit the damage that has to do with uh, changing an engine engine penalty and something like that. Now, Alpine did have a like an amazing weekend. Um, They're right right off the bat with Alonso um, starting second uh, from qualifying. He was the best all Saturday from, I think he was the fastest uh, in practice three. And then he qualified second. And unfortunately, I don't know. So this is, I don't know about his race. Uh, Ocon was fast. Ocon was great. Ocon, uh, I think he finished sixth, which is his uh, tied with his best, uh, best finish. It's, I don't know about their strategy because they had two virtual safety cars to pit with and they didn't do it. So they, then they had to wait. They had to go on a green, which dropped Alonso really far or pretty far back considering what he, where he could have been. But then on top of that, he had, um, uh, wasn't an engine failure, but he had something like a, uh, something, an air leak, an air air leak in his power unit for the last 20 laps. And he couldn't, he wanted to go faster, but he couldn't do it without, 
uh, Okan in front of him. Okan was pulling him the entire way, trying to get Botas from behind them. And then he did swerve in front of Botas on one of the straights and he got a five second penalty for it, which dropped him down into the ninth place. So it yeah. was like, it was Tough a good one. weekend for them, but Tough, yeah. it yeah. was, I mean, I think there was some mistakes there that aren't really being talked about. And I think it was the strategy with Alonzo in the pitting and then the unfortunate um, air leak, which, which regressed leak. his comeback. Um, I'll jump in here with, <laughs> with another team that had some interesting storylines attached to it. And that, and that is the continuing struggle of, of, um, both Ricardo and Norris. This Ugh, is we're going to talk about McLaren. Weekend. I thought we well, were going to, I thought we were going to get away with avoiding okay, McLaren. Here's why I want to bring it up. They stink. Here's why <laughs> I want to bring it up. Though. Are we going to talk about that 14th finish for Pierre Gasly? Hey, we will. I will. Here's why I want to talk about McLaren for a second, because it ties into what you were just saying, Tyler, which is that Norris actually, they made an interesting strategic choice here with McLaren this week. He had a power unit problem and there was serious conversation about, should this just be the week that we change out the power unit altogether? And they chose instead the part that they needed to go to, to go to, instead of putting a brand new one in and taking the penalty, they actually put back on the car a previous power unit element. Yes. Which you can do, but you're allowed to do. Right. Yeah. But because of that, I think he, they clearly suffered, um, it, so, you know, some um, performance because of that. The car just wasn't, and you're running an older power unit, or at least part, parts of it. And, and these cars put a lot of fucking stress on those power units. Every single part of that thing is really, really pushed. And I think that they acknowledged, uh, McLaren did, that, you know, they kind of knew that this was going to be a bit of a write off weekend for them and they had to make that choice. Um, but he struggled a lot. I mean, all the way down to 15. And then also, you know, I've got, he did have a penalty for speeding he, as well. So he, 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 I think he finished 13th speeding. and then the penalty. For speed and he had a horrible Whoa, pit stop hold on, hold he had on. like a 12 second pit stop too because yeah. they put the wrong tire on the front it was reminiscent of Bottas a few years ago in that race when russell was with them and it they was so, the and they mixed so up the mclaren's pit stops were disaster so i think this yeah. is definitely a weekend that mclaren overall is just going to want to forget somebody um, needs to explain but, to know. me though how in the fastest race cars in the world there's a speeding penalty yeah pit lane speed pit so lane you can't run into those guys out there in, yeah, it's too dangerous so there is speed there is a speed Limit. Right now, right I mean, it's still 80 kilometers them. an hour. <laughs> uh, it's an 80 kilometer an hour speed limit in the pit, which is still like a Canadian freeway. Um, but they have to just, they have to observe that it's a non-negotiable rule. And unfortunately he got caught there. So uh, yeah. I, I, I said, let's one, just one, say like McLaren is, I won't pick on him anymore because Gasly wasn't his best weekend, but there, there was rumors that Gasly was going to go to McLaren. And those rumors have since cease because he's watching McLaren and going, oh, fuck, maybe I'll yes. stay off Tory. <laughs> we're getting a little <laughs> bit of a car in the blue and when white. Were these when were these last rumors? When were these last week or last yeah, week? We last talked Norris about Norris is signed. So what, what's Ricardo's plan? They can, the, the, the boss, uh, I forget his name for McLaren. He said there's ways to get out of Ricardo's contract. Zach he Brown. came out and said that. He said there's ways around that. Yeah. Zach Brown. Remember, Zach he Brown, plays yeah. hockey. Don't you remember? Yeah. Well, I know this guy. That yeah. was that was like the I'm most that was the that most was. screen time that uh ever we've ever had for him. He they've had him play. Well, yeah, he said he came out and said there's ways to get out of Ricardo's contract. Um I had a funny I had a funny uh, I I wonder if you guys caught this. I I've started to develop a bit of a like a taste for different uh announcers because they seem to be rotating the kind of like analyst role next to to crofty sometimes uh -huh. it's martin brundle sometimes it's uh, paul deresta sometimes it's nico rosberg like they've had different guys in the mm -hmm. booth with him at different races which is kind of interesting because they bring different perspectives i am very quickly 
learning to dislike Martin Brundle, like immensely. Uh, <laughs> he just, he why, is why? such a crusty old guy who yeah. has, he feel it, it feels like every opinion he has is like five minutes behind where the race is. It's like, he hasn't, he's not quite able to keep up with what it is. Remember Martin Brundle is the same guy who, Oh yeah. The Miami mixed up in Miami. Yeah. Some, oh, some like he, 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 he thought he was, he, he thought, thought he was, was Serena Patrick. Williams. No, but and it was Venus. Yeah, two, he twice. He did it the, twice. Yeah. He mixed up the Williams sisters but he also interviewed a guy and for like two minutes the interview was completely convinced he was interviewing patrick mahomes and then realized the guy was not patrick that's right it was not patrick mahomes at all anyway and then he was like oh whatever uh like kind of brush off anyway but here's the quote of the day because you discussed Braden how at the end of the race even with drs carlos Sainz just couldn't quite get that extra little bit on max yeah on lap seven there had been three passes under DRS conditions, clearly faster cars taking advantage of it. Martin Brundle said the DRS is too effective here. Yeah. He said it was straight was too long. He said, we have to look into this straight. And the DRS is too effective. The whole point of DRS is to create opportunities for overtaking. We want that. We do not want every single race to just be a train. Martin Brundle is completely and utterly out of touch. Ask Carlos Sainz if that's too short. Get him out of the booth. Ask Carlos Sainz if that was too long. He just wants us to talk Exactly. Exactly. Ask Carlos Sainz. Yeah, he'll tell you completely different. There's my commentary. uh, Those straightaways were pretty awesome, I got to say. They were. Like the, the, actually the whole track, hey, it's, a, it's an awesome track. It's, it's a great, great track. track. It's really fun right. to watch. We talked about that, uh, like kind of previewing it. We all, we all kind of discussed how much fun we expected it to be. And it lived up to all of that. Yeah, and I mean, sweet. you know, it, it's one of those tracks that like has always been like this. Lewis loves, like loves driving this track because I think the drivers overall all love driving this track. It is, it is a, it's got a lot of fun elements. There's opportunities for overtaking. It's still challenging. It's not, you know, the world's most difficult track to drive, but it's also, and it's a shorter track. We're going to yeah. go to Silverstone next week, which is like the third longest track. That's completely mm-hmm. different. This is one of the shorter tracks. Yeah. In sorry. Next weeks. race. Next race. Yeah. Next race. Um, can we also just really quickly talk about the struggles uh, and sort of the misfortune of, of Haas because they had well, such a good to, weekend. Yeah, I wanted to talk about Michael Schumacher. He oh, had an amazing race. Michael like Schumacher actually, no yeah. longer race drives really, in Formula really One, Braden. His name uh, is Mick Schumacher. Yeah, Mick and Michael. <laughs> Michael Jr. Mickle. Mickle Jr. <laughs> um, he raced so well. Yeah, Haas was unbelievable yeah, this weekend. Haas was they great qualifying until the race. race yeah. for them. Yeah. Like a, a very yeah. unfortunate weekend for them. But to a like, fifth and sixth in qualifying, I believe. Fantastic. Magnuson, uh, like it's the uh, first time in Haas's history that they got both cars into quality three. Did you know that? Yeah, I didn't know that. That's crazy. And for Mick Schumacher to get there, and you know, again, like Mick Schumacher, I think like the last couple races has been knocking on the door of his first points. Like he's been so close, and it's been one of those things. It's just like, when will this happen for this kid? Like he deserves it. He's driven so well, and Magnuson too. And unfortunately, like if you remember a couple weeks ago, Magnuson and Hamilton also made contact, and it was Hamilton who suffered the puncture and had to get an early pit stop. It just happened to be the other way around this time, which is unfortunate for for Kevin because he had that damage to the front wing that they read an orange flagged him for and said it was unsafe and you know you black have an to... orange and i thought that black was interesting orange. that black and orange, said, and orange they yeah, had yeah they had never called i had never heard of a black and orange until last week when right. they had to duct tape sonoda and now all of a sudden the guys well, in the down, race were like black and orange, black what's and a black and orange? orange a black and orange means that there's something on somebody's car that makes it too dangerous for other drivers to be in their vicinity so they have to come in and pit to fix it so with sonoda and then it was who his drs sonoda they uh, duct tape him to the car they, no, Brayden, uh, last week. We last talked week. about this. Remember this Red Bull? We talked about it, yeah. I remember. And then this week it was the front wing, which 
always has damage on it, and they brought yeah. in um, Magnuson. I thought that was weird because you, there's so that. much damage on some of these that just like I've seen Lewis Hamilton yeah. with like half of his front wing flying in the wind, and yeah. no one's black and orange. I think they. I think there are under the new regulations this season. There's also new rules about that. So two things have changed. One, the carbon fiber that's used on the car has also become like a full carbon. Uh, the front wing and the rear wing have like a full carbon carbon fiber coating so the idea is that in the old wings they would kind of disintegrate you know you'd get all these particulates across the track and you'd get possibles of puncture the idea here and we've seen this actually a couple times in i think both times it was mick schumacher's car when we've joked about how like it literally split in two and the idea is that the fracture points on these elements are meant to happen they're meant to break apart but that the larger parts of the car should stay together the challenge with his wing was that because of where the fracture had occurred if it had ripped off in the wind a very large chunk was going to stay together but go flying and we can't have projectiles on a track flying like that not only because of the risk to the other drivers but also as they said on the commentary like that thing flying into the crowd could have killed someone so it's shitty uh for him especially because it's it was not his fault. You know, it was a racing incident where he made contact, but to be honest in the olden days, you're right. That thing probably would have disintegrated and they would have had to probably yellow flag or safety car anyway. So, yeah. so that may bring to the question then should every fan in the stands have a halo? No, but they should definitely all be wearing joke. helmets. Yeah, awesome. absolutely. That'd be awesome. Helmets. That'd be a great helmets. merch. Everyone needs wrong. to wear helmets. Yeah. <laughs> no. And, and body armor. Armor for sure. So, uh, and then you so can take uh, down the netting and everything. Yeah, no, in fact, no, put them yeah. on the track. Have put them run them around on, the track. On the outside. So was that... there a beaver that crossed the track? Yes, in no, it was, one of the it, was it was a gopher. It was a gopher, a groundhog. I would love it. It's, it's a, beaver. It's a like, close relative. Hey, this, this is a, there, there is clearly a resident uh, groundhog because this is not the first Canadian Grand Prix that has seen it. There's a very oh, yeah. funny clip. Go, you, I, I just keep doing this every week. I'm like, go YouTube, YouTube Verstappen. Yeah. Or not no, Verstappen. Get uh, away Vettel. from our show. Go Vettel. get away from our show. Go YouTube yeah. something and come yeah, back. Yeah. Come back down. Well, remember <laughs> last week I told you to go, I told you to go YouTube the Vettel moving the, the, first and second signs yep. oh yeah at another race amazing. during this there's a really actually it might actually be kimmy raikkonen now that i'm thinking about it there's a great radio call though one of the most iconic ones where i think it's kimmy raikkonen he radios and he goes there's some type of animal on the track what is it i don't know it looks like some kind of gopher <laughs> it's very funny <laughs> sure anyway enough. go check it out uh but yeah there was there was an animal on the track it's a uh, fully interactive program we have they didn't hit it that would have been I know. so bad. It was close. It was close. It slowed everybody We've had down. dogs on the track. We've had cats really? on the track. That's wild. Yeah. That's wild. Um, I right, had back one to other. Racing. Can I have let's, one? Let's, can I? Yeah. Can I? Can yeah, I? I had a nice segue, thing? but let's see what you guys say. Away. Oh, sorry. My segue is <laughs> not as good. But I, the very first note <laughs> I, I made during this race was that Zhao had a great start. Okay. I, I had a better I, segue. That was bull. This is bullshit. My I didn't make any other notes. I didn't make any other notes about Zhao, but the truth is that he had a great start, middle, and finish to this race. Finishing finishing eighth, that was Zhao's easily Zhao's best race. Easily. And Bottas yeah. right in front of him. Like for Alpha Romeo, they just they they've been consistently good, but they are really demonstrating that they are figuring it out uh, as a team. And I'm just really, really excited to see what um what Zhao has as as he gets more and more comfortable co- comfortable uh in, in, in Formula One because man, he's a good driver. It's he's really a great driver. Speaking of yeah. Zhao, buying Tyler, stock you in. had something to I was going to I was going to perfectly segue from Mick Schumacher missing out on his points um, in his second season when we are seeing a driver in his rookie season uh, starting to come into his own and he collected some points this weekend himself 
Uh, I think he Who got his first that? points in the first Four raid. <laughs> that was uh, this kid Zhao. Uh, yeah, he finished eighth, but that's because uh, Alonso had that penalty as well, which dropped uh, him up to, to down to ninth and, and Zhao up to eighth. But yeah, man, what a race for him. He was great. It was great all weekend. He he qualified 10th. Like he went into the final qualifying yeah. session, yeah, which was, was unlike that, that qualifying was easily as exciting as some of the races we've had this year. Yeah. Um, and well, I love that was, we got to see both both kind of weather or both both scenarios of the yeah. track as well, right? You, you get to see a completely different race. Uh, yeah, hundred percent. And and awesome. and I think that this is a great. It's a great like little tip. If you're growing as a fan of the sport, check your weather reports. And if it looks like it's going to be wet, I guarantee you qualifying is going to be fun because qualifying throws everything that the teams have planned for out the window. They have to kind of improvise in terms of strategy. A lot of the teams that we see successful, Ferrari, Red Bull, they their success is often a little bit muted because of the rain. And there are drivers who thrive in it. Vettel is one of them. Clearly, Alonso is one of them. But even, even Lance Stroll drives well in the rain. Like guys who are Lance not- Lance Stroll drives great, very well in the rain. Yeah, there are guys who are just really, really comfortable in those conditions. Uh, and- also, guys who take ridiculous, crazy risks. We have well, let's not talk yet about talked that. about. We have George not yet Russell. Talked about Russell. Oh my George God! George Russell in the fa- final qualifying. Everyone was saying, oh, it's probably, probably not slicks. Probably not slicks." And the whole time, even Jordan and I were talking. I was like, "Ricardo will probably do it because he's got nothing to lose." Right. Yeah, and, and then Russell went to it. Wild one. And they were just like, "Oh, I wonder when he's like gonna spin." And then, boom! Cut camera. He's spun and and he saved it, but he's still spun. And then you look at the tires trying to get back onto the track. They are soaking wet. And they're just flat pieces of rubber, it, so it, wet. Like it was, that was wild for him. For Russell, I I don't understand why Russell did it because of the car they have. I yeah. would have understood it if Ricardo or Zhao or someone who had nothing to lose because they're going to be in the top ten as long as they didn't put it in the wall. Then yeah. those guys could have done doing something. But there was yeah. like massive puddles on some of the turns. Oh, yeah, it was dry. No. Uh, it was dry around like turns three, four, five. Like there was a dry line. Yeah. But the first turn was a puddle. Like you had to go yeah. through a puddle. You know, it's interesting. There. It felt for the first time maybe all season, like Russell was the second driver for Mercedes. And it was like, they were using him as the guinea pig. Like we've seen like Ricardo, we've seen other teams often have like the other driver do the other strategy. Even Bottas, when he drove there during races, they'd often be like, we're going to drive you on two completely different strategies for the first 20 laps. We're going to figure out which tire works well. We're going to know how long a medium lasts or how long we can push a, the soft tire. And then they would often kind of, bring those strategies a little bit closer together near the end. In this case, it really was an interesting call. And I would love to know who made that call. Was that an engineering choice? Was that Russell pushing for it and saying, yeah, I think I can do something with this because he wasn't, it wasn't like he was far off of the pace anyway. Like he would have probably qualified as well, if better than Hamilton, like he was doing great, but he really did really did sacrifice uh, a good opportunity uh, because it was a, it was clearly the wrong move. No one else did it and it didn't work even for the guy who did. So didn't work out. Yeah. And but, it was, but again, weather makes qualifying fun. Yeah. There's that's the Imagine life lesson. It did work though. I think that's, that's the risk, right? hundred like, percent. That's the yeah. risk. Yeah. What did he end up? What did he end that, up qualifying, right? Russell? What did he end up qualifying? Because he definitely put in laps on intermediates before he went to the. That's slip. true. He did have he did have a couple uh uh a couple good oppor- like a good a couple good lap times I think before that. Let me see here. He's he qualified eighth, so he did he did give up position for sure. Both yeah, he did. Magnuson and Schumacher qualified him and so did Ocon. So he, he yeah. did drop to eight. Um, so he could have been right like, up there with probably uh, would have been up with, with Hamilton. Hamilton. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's pretty wild. I, I mean, uh, yeah, but he still finished top five. That guy is unbelievably consistent. Yeah. And that was his first time at, uh, at the, the Canadian grand prix as well. I believe. Yeah, that's right. 
Okay, because we are getting close to the point where I know Braden is going to pivot us to talk about Silverstone. Uh, can we just talk and for let's a leave it there? No, <laughs> we got to talk about Pierre Gasly. We got to talk about. Okay, let me let me let me let me defend. I have guess. something to say. If we're going to talk about Gasly, I'm going to talk about Gasly. I teed it up. What a right. horrible, horrible, horrible weekend for Gasly. And I, so after I saw the P3, the practice three times, I got so excited. Gasly was two, I think, second fastest or third fastest. He was up there and it was like, oh my goodness, like this is it. This is the, like, he's going to qualify top five and have a great weekend. And I even messaged Jordan, which I'm never doing again during qualifying. <laughs> and Jordan's like, yeah, Gasly was great. Practice three, we're going to do it. And then he didn't make it out of the first qualifying session. Oof. And I was like, oh my goodness, like, this is not like, this is gonna be a bad weekend. And then I watched the rest of qualifying, like in this like cloud of rain, like just, I was upset. It's like, okay, well, guys, it didn't happen. It, does, it happens. It happens to the best of them yeah. in qualifying. It, it's what it was, like, what if, it was. If gas is so, going to pot in the rain, I'm going to pot exactly, in the rain. Yeah. So then I was like, all right, well, then I placed a bet on Gasly finishing top 10. I was like, he'll come back. The guy's a, he's a great driver. He's consistently in the top 10. He'll come back. And then in like the first 10 laps, I think it was like lap eight or nine or something. Um, his pit boss said, Hey, lift off the gas. We, we have a problem and we don't know what it is. And we got to figure Eat. it out. So the entire race, he yeah. wasn't able to go full out. And it was just, it was, I think he finished four, 14th. 14th. Yeah. Which yeah. isn't right awful behind. for what it could have been, but horrible wow. weekend for Gasly. Like the gas man did not have it. And then also to add on top of that with Alpha Tori, Yuki Sonoda, Yuki Sonoda put it in the wall again for no reason. Coming out of the pit. the pit lane. No, coming going, out, coming out, coming out. Oh on fresh God. tires. He lit them uh, up. There was no traction and he, he buried it. Oh my God. And he was, was having cool. a great race. He had another, he also took an engine uh, uh, penalty grid for switching something in his engine a component or something. And he was working his way back up. He was getting up to 10th. He was yeah. actually ahead of Gasly the entire yeah. race. He was going to finish in the points. And now this is the third straight race that Yuki hasn't had points. And it coming after two great weekends of racing for Alpha Tori, this couldn't, this couldn't have been a worse weekend for them. Probably the, if thank goodness for McLaren being so bad. Well, it is. It was shocking to see <laughs> how fast Gasly's fortunes change because he had a phenomenal Thursday, uh -huh. Friday. I sent Tyler a text eight minutes into qualifying after Gasly's first lap, where I believe he'd put it on. He put it on top. Pole. Yeah, he put like, it on. It was pole like, oh my lap. god, the speed this kid is pushing. And I said, I'm like, nice lap for Gasly. He has a real shot at pole. He was flying. And then 10 minutes later, Tyler's like, you jinx Gasly, you jerk. And it's true because it was that fast. It was true. I did jinx how, him. <laughs> well, but it, it was crazy how quickly his fortunes changed. Yeah. And then I think he just, they, they could not get it back. No, it's true. And it's sad because it was the kind of race where because of the qualifying situation, opportunities were there for guys who could, who, yeah, could, yeah. who had that. And look, Alonzo did it. Give Alonzo full credit. It's the first time he's been on the front row in like eight years. Oh, yeah. Since um, the hybrid era. Since the yeah. hybrid era. It's the first time he's been on the front row that long wow yeah. that's much that's like 10 years so yeah. the 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 point being look the old guy still got it he just doesn't have the car to get him through a race but like qualifying wise awesome to see and it's it's fun to see that that you know we're getting a little bit more uh, of a fight in there and, and we'll see what happens but it's still yeah. early a weekend to forget for alpha tori and uh, yet I, yeah and yet as a fan of the sport <laughs> not a weekend as to i forget. said one of my favorite yeah. weekends of the of the year like yeah, one of my that. favorite that races amazing. it was phenomenal it was a great weekend and before before you segue us to to and let's <laughs> we, uh, let's talk about porpoising and the fia trying to step in to yep, fix this sure. because the yeah, rumors so the i have heard um i actually think is a great solution 
And if they're going to put some type of gadget or instrument that tells that can read out the amount of bouncing that's happening in each cockpit and you have to be within a certain limit. So once you exceed that limit, you have to adjust your car in order to get that limit down is from what I understand to be the, the rumor, which to me seems like the best and fairest way to do it. So the teams that have already solved that and are fast, a la Red Bull that are complaining the most about a, a potential change coming, they won't have to change anything because they're within the li- they'll be within the limit. But teams like Mercedes that are pushing it, teams like Ferrari that are pushing it, they will have to adjust something that'll make their car slower, but it'll be safer for the drivers. I think that is probably the safest way to handle something like this. Yeah, and fair sure. and the fairest. Yeah. Well, and it's funny because, again, it has exposed the brutal hypocrisy of a guy like Christian Horner, who, again, during qualifying, I don't know, like, does he got has he got some kind of like sponsorship deal with Sky Sports? Because he's the only guy that they talk to. Yeah, they do. But he's basically going back to my like analyst broadcast soapbox. What the hell is this about? Is he the only guy who's that desperate for self-promotion that he lets them call him up on the, on the pit wall, like get somebody his else. Own private I think he uses, I think he uses it to sure complain because they don't, they're not allowed to talk to the directors 100%. anymore. So they're, they hundred percent, but the, he, the, yeah. the, but like the list, I could write a book on stupid things that have come out of that man's mouth. Like he is. Totally. An Same with and, Brundle. Like, you, yeah, well, they can have a companion. It can be a companion. Well, they uh, usually do are the ones talking to <laughs> But here's the thing. So Horner was asked about it. Do you think this is fair? And obviously his answer is no, because he's the only team that right now is not suffering the ill effects of porpoising. I understand that. He thinks everybody else has an agenda to slow them down. Fine, whatever. But in the same instant, they then turn around. The next question asked is, why then are you the only team that is opposed to ensuring that the cap is actually a cap? Because they have already put in complaints stating that due to inflation in the uk and the cost of gasoline they should be allowed to break the cap to the percentage of inflation which he's claiming is 11 percent and saying (laughs) that there was no way they could possibly have known how much costs are going to inflate at the beginning of the year when they all agreed to the cost cap that is complete and utter bullshit. You are the New York Yankees. You are spending more money yeah, than anybody else. This is you why people don't this like game. them. This is why people don't like them. And there was even another example with Red Bull when they pitted Verstappen and Hamilton came out just in front of him. Yeah. And yeah. Verstappen gets on the radio and is like, why, are you, why did you put me behind him? How am I behind him? What is going on? And they, they just said, Max, you didn't have the pace. And then literally three seconds after he, he took couldn't him. keep his damn mouth DRS. shut, he yeah. took him over the first DRS right. zone. It's like, dude, just shut up and well, race. You're the best driver Bunch in the entire world. Just race the car. Red All Bull right. gives you wines. All right. All right. Red Bull gives you wines. I like we're, that. We're switching gears here, guys. Let's, let's leave Canadian Grand Prix uh, alone and Red Bull. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never leave Red Bull alone. Okay, next up is the uh, British Grand Prix race at Silverstone. This is a pretty fancy, another fancy race. Lots of history here. Uh, two weeks from now, July 3rd, 7, uh, 7 a.m. Pacific, 8 Mountain. Yeah, guys, this is always a fun race. My, my most fond, the most fondest memory I have of the Silverstone race is the, the win by Lewis on three wheels. Uh, that was that a good one. That was that was forever be that was the in most 2020. Epic that was fantastic. End to a race, and Netflix kind of did like a, a a very quick uh, debrief of that episode. I thought that episode was going to be a lot more exciting, a lot more, uh, especially with cinematic music. And and for some reason they they didn't pull the trigger on that one. They've missed on a few for sure. Um, they missed a lot. Yeah. This uh, is a yeah. Go yeah, ahead. This okay. is a this is a fun I, track. 
this is one of the this is uh it's it's one of the classics it's definitely one of the most important races in the formula one calendar you put it up there with monaco you put it up with there with monza you put it up there with spa any of the legendary tracks this is one of the best it's the only only one of three tracks i believe that um uh sorry i should say it's not just the track but britain itself italy and britain are the only two countries to have held a grand prix every single year since 1950 so it's a very historic and important one the british grand prix is a huge one as i said earlier in the show it's the third longest track on the season it's 5.8 kilometers long it's only um beaten out by spa and baku who are the two longer ones but it's it's a great track it's got so many iconic corners so many iconic opportunities for overtaking for uh, the the speed traps at the drs there are effective but they're not too effective martin brundle to calm down but it's one of those tracks that some drivers absolutely love and it's one of those tracks that some drivers just get absolute like nightmares at so it it is a fun track because it it, you know it's had iconic moments like Braden mentioned and and so many other ones it's one of my favorite races every year so i'm really really stoked for the british grand prix yeah, it's one of the Lewis Hamilton said this track is like flying a fighter jet. They said it's one of the fastest tracks out there. It's got two DRS zones. Um, it is, yeah, like you said, it's one of the oldest tracks. It's one of the most more, more iconic tracks. And I believe that Hamilton's won last like six out of the last eight or something like that. Well, and, and last, uh, last year or maybe in 2019, he became the winningest driver there of all time. He has a turn named after him there. Um, it's definitely uh, a very what? special track as a British driver, awesome. obviously very important, right? There yeah. are some awesome names to these turns too. I, I, I wondered if uh, we played a little game. I'm going to give you three names okay. and only one of them is an actual, uh, only one of them is fake. Two of them are real. Can you, can okay. you spot which is not real? Here's the, here's the game brain. You ready? Yeah. Okay. The turn names. Sounds fun. Yeah. So two are real, one's fake. You, you find the, the outlier. Okay. Uh-huh. All right. We have maggots, cops, and Williams, which one's not a real turn? Uh, well, I know Cops Corner is pretty iconic. Ma- you said Maggots? Yeah. Is that named after someone? <laughs> yeah. There's Maggots driver? Yeah. There's no Williams Corner. There's no Williams Corner? No, no yeah, there's Maggots. maggots. The there's got to be a Williams Corner. Okay, we'll play one more time. Let's see if Tyler can do it this time. You ready? Okay, okay. Um, All right, here we go. We have Stowe, Woodcott, and Hamlet. So I would have got the other one right. Uh, um, Stowe has a grandstand, so I'm guessing that that is well a done. Turn. Yes, Stowe is a turn. Uh, name the other two again. Woodcott and Hamlet. I'm going to guess that uh, Woodcott is a turn. It is a real turn. That's right. Woodcott leads into cops. Or out of cops. Hamlet was two on the nose. Hamlet was two. All right, last one, Braden. There should be a Shakespeare chicane. Last one. You ready? Okay. Um. Okay, we have Cub, Luffield, and Chapel. Toby Luffield. That sounds ridiculous. Luffield leads into Woodcut. It's a real turn. Yeah. Well, and the other two you said. Uh, Cub and Chapel. Oh, so Cub. Yeah, there is a club corner, but Cub is not real. Vale. Oh, that's cheeky. We have the Hanger Straight. We have Village. We have 
Brooklyn's, we've got Abbey, we've got Farm. Okay. Every corner on this track has it's an named. awesome name. Wow. They're all iconic. They're all famous. Do they have street um, signs on there? <laughs> no, but they should. <laughs> They're fantastic. It is, it is, it is just one of those tracks. It's like it's iconic in every part of it. You've got cops that comes around. We did see Oops. some action at cops. That's where we had that very going. serious co- contact with Hamilton and Verstappen yeah. last year, where Verstappen was convinced he had been driven off the road that was cops corner the big crash there cops leads into a really tight four corner chicane that's maggots beckett's and into chapel that leads you into the hangar straight and the hangar straight is one of the fastest straights in formula one it's not a long straight but there it is straight line speed they get up to a 300 kilometers an hour down that straightaway and then it's a tight turn into Stowe. It's an awesome track. Every part of this track is oh. fun. If you have the Formula One game, go drive this track before you get there because watching it, it they take this these, these corners so, so fast in yeah, real yeah. life. It is crazy that they keep the cars on the road as well as they do, but it is a lot of fun. That's also, awesome. I will say that this, so 1950 was the first F1 um, race at this track, but it was used for racing before that. I think 1947 was the first inaugural race. And I don't mean to, to be a downer on this, but uh, one of the race cars did hit a sheep and the sheep died. So we're, just to That's bring it back, bad. just to bring it back to the gophers and the oh beavers. Oh God, what happened? They stopped the race? Is it immediate red? Uh, red I would assume uh, that's an immediate red. Flag? I'm assuming the sheep. Uh, the immediate red uh, road as well. As, uh, yeah, there's everything red about that. Oh, that sucks. <laughs> well, <laughs> hopefully long, they long can keep the sheep in the farm on that farm uh, straight or that, that turn there. Um, uh, yeah, hopefully. And again, as I, I said, think this is going to be a good race for Mercedes, though. They're both yep, hometown guys, and I think it, they'll do it's better. It's definitely going to be an important one. Stroke. I think it'll it'll mean a lot. It'll mean a lot to Russell. You know, obviously, he's driven here before for Williams, which is a you know very famous yeah. uh, British team. But I think now being at such an iconic team with Mercedes and and competing for, I mean, look you can't say that Mercedes isn't competing for spots on the podium because they've already been on it now three or four times this season. When one of those drivers of the top two cars struggles, Mercedes is there to pick up the scraps and they're being very, very uh, good and consistent, especially Russell at staying up there in the top five. This is going to be a really important race for Russell. It's an opportunity, obviously an important race for McLaren to try to figure out some of their problems because this is their home Grand Prix um, and important for, for Lando, who's another favorite. I was going to say, let's not forget Lando Norris there who does very important. Very important. So, you know, it's one of those races where um, a lot can change really quickly, as we know. Um, It's probably not quite as, um, I don't know, like as challenging a circuit um, as some of the places we've seen. So we I don't expect to have quite as many uh, yellow or red flags as we did. We didn't see any red flags during the race, but we did during qualifying in Canada. Um, I wouldn't expect quite as many, but weather being what it is on the you know, UK is Island there. It's possible we get some weather next week and that could change things. So uh, who knows? Okay. Well, the, this uh, British Grand Prix goes two weeks from now, July 1st, practice one and two, July 2nd, practice three with qualifying uh, right after this. Is this a traditional qualifying guys? Or we got a, a yep. fun sprint coming up? No, ah, I, that sprint. I race. believe this is a regular one. Last year they did do the sprint here at Silverstone and I don't right. think they're doing them in the same places again. I believe this year, gotcha. This should be a good one. It's in two weeks though. So don't, uh, don't wake up this weekend looking for it. And the next uh, sprint race will be July 9th in Aust- Austrian Grand Prix, the Red Bull ring. 
It'll be nice. exciting. Nice. Yeah, that's a sh- that's a good track for it. That's a shorter track, and then Brazil. They'll also do it in Brazil, which should be fun because that's an overtaking track, like we saw last year. Interlagos. Right, right. Thanks, Jordan. Thanks, Tyler. Pit Stop Podcast is a presentation of the Ordinary Podcasting Network. Thanks for listening. The Ordinary Podcasting Network wishes to acknowledge that the lands on which our conversations take place include... Treaty 6 territory, the traditional meeting ground and home for many indigenous peoples, including the Cree, Dene, Soto, Blackfoot, Métis, and the Nakota Sioux peoples, as well as the unceded territories of the Coast Salish peoples, including the territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. We acknowledge the many First Nations, Métis, and Inuit, whose footsteps have marked these lands for generations and we extend our appreciation for the opportunity to live create and share stories on these territories the ordinary podcasting network intends to engage in conversations and dialogue which acknowledge that reconciliation is not a destination but a journey and that we remain committed to practicing our craft in a decolonized space